local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big uh, hump day, uh, Wednesday, December the 14th. Uh, with that, uh, of course, um, NBA action last night. The Pelicans uh, finally uh, trip as they head out to Utah, and Utah hands them uh, a pretty good defeat. They lose by 21. The Pelicans were in it in the first quarter, and then uh, towards the second and third, uh, Utah, the Jazz, the former New Orleans Jazz, uh, pull away as the Pelicans' seven-game uh, winning streak uh, goes by the wayside. Uh, by the score of 121 to 100, of course, leading the Pelicans. Zion Williams still has his A game playing well. He has 26 points as the uh, Pelicans um, tr- uh, still maintain, I think, a small lead and uh, half a game or so in the, uh, oh, I want to say, what do they call it, the Southwest Division of the Western Conference, if uh, that's accurate. Uh, Utah, meanwhile, was led by Malik Beasley. With 21 points, I got pretty much uh, scoring was pretty uh, level all the way around for Utah as the Utah Jazz uh, uh, get, uh, as I mentioned, 21 from uh, Beasley, who comes off the bench. They also had 19 from Alexander Walker off the bench and 11 from Keesler. Elsewhere, their starters went 19, 18, and 11. That's uh, Mark uh, Cannon, uh, Vanderbilt, and Clarkson, while the, the Pelicans um, – and the Pelicans in a big trade, too. Uh, yes, we will talk about that in a, a moment or two. But uh, Zion Williams has 26, uh, followed next by uh, the big tall center, uh, Valens, Valensinas. Valensunas. Uh, elsewhere, McCollum had 14, but uh, don't get a lot of scoring from their bench. It's been carrying them, uh, the Pelicans, that is, for uh, that seven-game winning streak. But uh, they go down. They play again. I want to say uh, this coming uh, week they uh, still, I think, they take on uh, Utah again. So, again, in the schedule, Jeff uh, playing a, a team, uh, played the Suns at home on a Friday and a Sunday. Of course, I'll play the uh, Utah Jazz uh, here uh, Tuesday night and again tomorrow night, Thursday night, before they uh, head to, I want to say, Phoenix to take on the Suns. I don't think they play them in a back-to-back games. No, they come back to New Orleans to take on Milwaukee. So some pretty tough games uh, they'll be under in the next few days. So uh, we'll see how the Pelicans do on the road. Uh, they've been pretty successful over the last few, um, I guess, couple weeks, fortnight. As, uh, but they go down last night, uh, 121 to 100. Elsewhere last night, an interesting ball game out on the West Coast. Also, the Celtics journeyed to, the, to Los Angeles to take on the Lakers. And uh, you thought uh, Boston was just going to blow them out the uh, arena, but the uh, Lakers come back in the third and the fourth quarter to tie things up. They go into overtime where Boston uh, defeats the Lakers by the score of uh, 122 to 118. Of course, Jason Tatum uh, goes off last night. I think in the history of their series between the Lakers and the Celtics, he had the second most points ever scored against the Lakers as he put up 44 points. He was 15 out of 29 from the floor, 9 out of 10 from the free throw line. Anthony Davis tries to answer that with 37 points, and uh, he was 18 out of 24 from the line. But Anthony Davis misses a couple crucial free throws late in the game, and uh, he goes 11 out of 15. He missed two big ones uh, to get the Lakers back in it, but – the Lakers uh, don't come around. Uh, of course, uh, LeBron James 
also had a pretty good game uh, last night. Uh, he put up 33 points with nine rebounds, nine assists, a couple steals, uh, a block, and uh, but four turnovers as the Lakers uh, uh, go down again to the um, – to the Boston Celtics, who have the best record in uh, in the NBA right now, uh, the Celtics' uh, record is 22 and seven. They're playing 76 percent uh, basketball. Uh, they had lost a couple in a row. They're seven and three in their last ten. Uh, meanwhile, over in the Western Division, uh, the uh, Pelicans are still tied with uh, the Memphis Grizzlies at 18 and nine. Of course, they're eight and two. Both teams are eight and two in their last ten. Uh, in that regard, Utah, in the meantime, is uh, a little above 500, 16 and 14. Of course, uh, the Jazz, uh, Jazz, excuse me, the Jazz will play the Pelicans again uh, on their home floor. Just, I don't know, I've never seen that uh, technically happen. I don't know if that's a quirk in the schedules or if that's just something I wasn't aware of uh, throughout the course of the NBA this year. But, yeah, uh, during um, COVID, maybe the second, the, the, the first full season after COVID, to limit travel, they did do a lot of that kind of series attitude, especially in hockey, I remember it. Uh, All right. And I just wonder if they liked it and said, why not try more of this? Yeah, it, it, it basically uh, cuts down on the travel, and uh, I'm sure there are expenses with that. But, you know, you got to board up, uh, what, 13, 15 players plus staff plus uh, coaches plus. So, you know, you might take up uh, 20 25 hotel rooms of course a lot of these guys having their contracts they have their they're by themselves in their hotel rooms and all so uh anyway just a quirk in the schedule i i, I just I, I would hardly call it a quirk when it's happened twice uh in the week yeah but with that i've never seen that uh in my time you mentioned that at national hockey league they did that during covid but i can't recall that uh taking place of course you know these schedules are set what, maybe a year in advance almost, so uh, schedules and charters and hotel rooms and things like that have to be uh, uh, prepared. And, uh, of course, with, a, I guess, a traveling secretary does handles a lot of that with regards to the uh, players. So all they do is shuffle along with uh, the buses and the planes and trains or however they plan to get to their destinations. Elsewhere uh, in um, talk, uh, of course, the World Cup, is uh, taking place right now and uh, some big games uh, going on yesterday as uh, Argentina downs Croatia by the score, I believe, of uh, 3 nothing. And, uh, of course, 3 nothing in, uh, in soccer is a pretty big blowout in that regard. So, uh, meantime, um, just going through scoring uh, with this, I think France plays today uh, against Morocco. Of course, Morocco being the first African uh, team to make it to the semis uh, from the continent of Africa. So uh, I think that game today is at 1 o'clock our time. Uh, of course, I'd probably be 7, 8 o'clock out in uh, Qatar as they uh, schedule up. So Argentina uh, making it to the uh, finals of uh, of the World Cup. And uh, we'll see um, what's going to take place there, who will play for the championship. Uh, of course, Croatia. Uh, four years ago, I think, was a runner-up to France in the World Cup. So, uh, in the meantime, elsewhere... Uh, well, today, uh, the other final. Yeah. Or semifinal. Semifinal, correct. Uh, at one, I think it's 1 o'clock uh, our time. Yeah, you know, Messi uh, talked about losing that first game uh, in the, uh, the round-robin uh, portion of the tournament and 
said that helped them. That uh, you know, you learn a lot from a loss, and they uh, have played uh, excellent since. And by the way, uh, did uh, pull up a story on the NBA scheduling. Um, they've been trying to eliminate back-to-back games. You know where the the team. You know, like the the Pels are in Utah. Maybe the next game, uh, back-to-back nights, going to Denver. Right. They're trying to avoid that uh, because of injury issues, but uh, here's this one story that says, one measure of improved quality has been a reduction in travel. The average team will travel less than 42,000 miles over the course of the 2023 season, a massive change, implementing the series model in which two teams play each other in the same arena two games in a row has helped. NBA rarely did this before the pandemic, but after logistics forced them to do so in 2020-21, there were 90 such series that year. League added 23 to the 2021-22 calendar, and there are 55 uh, this season. Okay. So it is a concerted effort to uh, deal with travel, but also allow rest. Oh, sure. And uh, that's, of course, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I can remember – not necessarily I ever betting on any kind of basketball, but I know our buddies uh, say that, you know, when you see a team that uh, gets beat uh, or wins on the road and then he's got to play the next night on the road against a favorite team, generally they go down because of the uh, – in 24 hours playing two games uh, through the course of 48 minutes. And uh, uh, it worked for him supposedly, but uh, not being up on that uh, – just interesting in that regard. Anyway, Jeff, just uh, as maybe for the rest of this uh, segment for the next 10 minutes or so, uh, boy, the, the, you know, I wasn't um, a, a Mike Leach fan or uh, I knew of Coach Mike Leach. Uh, of course, his passing, uh, I think it was Sunday night. Uh, we got – or Monday, Monday night. night. Yeah, we got word uh, Tuesday morning uh, during this, this show. Time, yeah. yeah, and that he had passed away after a massive heart attack. Uh and, uh, of course, a Mississippi State coach whose innovations on the field were matched only by his quirkiness off of it. Uh, of course, he died at 61 after suffering a massive heart attack. Uh, you know, his career spanned decades and uh, conferences and uh, countries. He was a – and, you know, he never played collegiate football. I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Yeah. He was a rugby player at BYU. He played rugby. And uh, too uh, many hits to the head. <laughs> anyway, but you know, listening to the stories of the people who uh, who played for him and who worked with him over the years. Of course, he started off at uh, Texas Tech. Also, people didn't realize he had a law degree. Believe mm. it or not, he uh, could have practiced the law, but he turned his attention to collegiate football, where he got his first uh, coaching job. At uh, Texas Tech, of course, he was there for a few years. Uh, Kirk Klingsbury, the head Cliff. Cliff Klingsbury, the head football coach at, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, played for him at uh, Texas Tech. And uh, they, they talked about uh, his years together uh, there. He spent 10 years in Lubbock, uh, then coached up, moved up to Washington State, which uh, is on the eastern uh, side of the state out in Spokane and uh, stayed there for seven or eight years and then uh, journeyed to Mississippi State. Uh, he was in his third year at state uh, in Starkville and uh, his nickname I didn't realize uh, was the Pirate. I, I didn't know he, that. He was a big fan of the uh, not not necessarily the you know uh, what's the you know 
What's the term uh, that pirates would do to uh, another boat? Uh, Oh, yeah, scuttle. uh, uh, Not scuttle, uh, a jump or, uh, or, uh, I don't know. Purge or... uh, I know what you're saying. uh, uh, Attack another ship, a pirate ship, attacking uh, maybe uh, an English uh, or a Spanish uh, fleet ship. But in the meantime... uh, he he was innovative in uh, in the passing game and uh, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday upon learning upon his death how his team uh, two years ago threw for over six hundred yards against an LSU defending national champion and uh, it just seemed like every time you turned around they were completing six eight and ten yarders to add up to that uh, six hundred yards and uh, something I didn't know I heard a story yesterday about him that uh, when he was at Texas Tech there was a walk on. A football player, he kind of took um, a, a, to the side and said, you know, your chances of here playing at Texas Tech are just not really good. I, I know you're – I see your confidence in your game. I see your uh, your brightness in the outlook and things. I'd like to uh, make you a, a graduate student or uh, I should say just a, a student uh, uh, assistant. And he was kind of uh, – the particular person was kind of, nah, I don't know if I want to do this, Coach. Uh, I, I want to play football. And he said, well, think about it. And he said, I don't know. And he walked away. Well, the next morning he came back to him, uh, said, Coach, is that uh, opportunity still open for me? And Leach said, yes, it is. Uh, if you want to take on that responsibility as a student assistant. And Lincoln Riley ended up uh, down? being a, a, a coach uh, down the road who uh, was very successful uh, as a coach at, uh, not only at SC but at Oklahoma. And uh, so Lincoln Riley was that young student who uh, who Mike Leach told him that, uh, you know, your opportunities are playing here, slim and none, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and of course, Lincoln Raleigh, what more can you say as he's uh, been pretty dominant at Oklahoma and also with uh, now at Southern Cal uh, missing out on the uh, the big four uh, college football playoff by uh, last Friday night, getting beat by Utah. But in the meantime, uh, Mike Leach, uh, what more can you say about him? They say, you know, he, when he was interviewing kids, you know, for possible scholarships to come to his school, he'd get off on tangents and talk about everything from the scenery to architecture to food to uh, he just Geronimo. Uh, yeah, just uh, he'd get off in these tangents and uh, he, he wouldn't talk football. He'd just talk about everything all around him. And uh, and he was just uh, uh, impactful. He was innovative. Uh, he was popular. You know, like I said, I never did uh, – Really get to uh, see him or or, or uh, play, but his his teams, uh, man, they put the ball up in the air and uh, they'd run you ragged, especially at Texas Tech, uh, where some of his uh, uh, students uh, did well. And and what was the name of the young man that ended up going off to uh, left Texas Tech as a walk on, went to Oklahoma, now is at South Carolina. Oh, Ratif, Ratcliffe, Rat, uh, yeah, the quarterback at South Carolina who uh, who ended up beating Tennessee 63-30-something to 30 <laughs> late this year. But Mike Leach was so much more uh, as a football coach. Wait, and, uh, what was this kid's path? Uh, he started off at Texas Tech as a walk-on. Maybe somebody uh, will give us that name, uh, Texas that name. But, so that was just – that was recently. That yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, he was the starting quarterback, well, one of the favorites. Is there a uh, connection to Mike Leach then? Yeah, he ended up uh, uh, over at uh, Texas Tech and uh, he – But that would have been just a couple of years ago. Yeah, this is uh, true. Mike Leach has been gone but since – But through Lincoln Raleigh. Oh, okay. Uh, through Lincoln Raleigh and uh, – and, uh, 
anyway, uh, but was a rugby player in college, not a, not a football player, a rugby player. And uh, even uh, he, it said here in 1987 began his career, too, when he landed uh, his first of seven programs, including he coached in Finland at one time in 1987, so uh, outside the country. Ten years in Lubbock, uh, Mississippi State the last few years, uh, nicknamed the Pirate, uh, pass-happy offense, uh, which he developed in 1989 while he was at Iowa Wesleyan, and he perfected Hal Mummy. Texas Tech. Yeah, that's right. He was coaching under Hal Mummy, who he had a bit of an issue. I, I forget what um, uh, sort of stumbled his career before he came back to southeast Louisiana. Yeah, uh, Mummy was at Southeastern yeah, yeah. for a few years, too. You're right about that, uh, uh, Mummy. And then he coached at Kentucky, I think moved on to Kentucky for a few years. But anyway, Mike Leach, just a genuine person, uh, just the uh, allocates coming forth to him, uh, of course, with his... Got uh, a little grief back in Texas Tech. In fact, I think it's what uh, sent him, you know, him packing there, uh, putting Craig James' uh, son in a dark room. Uh, and, and actually... You know, years later, he was sued. Uh, in regard- he was. And, and th- that lawsuit actually uh, put Leach in a better light, saying his telling of the facts uh, was probably the truth, and he probably was unjustifiably skewered uh, for that incident. Uh, when, in fact, if uh, the kid was thinking he had a concussion, being uh, in a dark room may not have been such a bad thing. Yeah, and, uh, of course, like you said, he did take a lot of grief over that uh, with that incident as the papa got involved. <clears throat> Craig James, of course, he wasn't without uh, his uh, own uh, issues at, uh, at some time in his life. Turns out he probably just was trying to get the kid more playing time. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. And who who doesn't want to see their son play a lot of football or of course, everybody's son's the best, mm-hmm. if you listen in, <laughs> in that regard. But uh, anyway, Mike Leach uh, passes on. Uh, I'm sure arrangements are being made for his funeral, and uh, we'll hear a little bit more about the stories of Mike Leach. And, I, uh, I don't know if the bowl game was ever in doubt, but they did confirm they would play it. Okay. And right. I would imagine an assistant coach will run the team, uh, and then probably not uh, a big rush to start looking for uh, the the next full-time head coach there, but they did uh, confirm that that game would be played. It's a January 2nd bowl game against Illinois, and uh, interesting, too, Illinois just lost their defensive coordinator, uh, so you know they've, they've each suffered a blow yeah. in the coaching staff, although uh, obviously tragedy and one uh, situation, an opportunity to move up the Illinois defensive coordinator, going to be the head coach at Purdue, and I'm not sure if he'll be there for the LSU game, but uh, might be on the sidelines kind of just uh, getting to know his team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see his uh, coaching uh, lineage uh, and also his coaching tree. You know, Dana Holgerson uh, over at the University of Houston is one of the coaches. Lincoln Riley is another one. Uh, Sonny Dykes. Uh, there are people of that nature that uh, coached under him and uh, I'm sure picked up a lot of his savvy and uh, knowledge throughout the course of uh, games. And uh, anyway, I think I read where you know, there's 128 or so Division One schools or FBS schools. Mm-hmm. And of those schools, nine head coaches uh, have a relationship in some way, either coached with under Mike Leach. Well, wow, amazing. Uh so it just goes to show the tentacles and how he reached out to a lot of uh, uh, coaches that uh, are now head coaches. Uh, 
and at 61 years of age, not quite, uh, not an old man, but um, middle, late middle age, but uh, Mike Leach gone, and Mississippi State uh, will play the bowl game, as you mentioned, against uh, Illinois. I'm not sure what bowl game they're It's a silly corporate name uh, in Tampa. Okay. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and take our first break this morning. You listen to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day, uh, Wednesday, uh, December 14th. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music on Thursday at Southern Jack Friday. Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in the Berry. Domestic beer, $2. Imports, $3. All day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Once again, the Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main. Now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become part of something bigger. Join the team. We're currently hiring for a variety of offshore positions in both our production and construction divisions. And you can apply right now at danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day, December the 14th uh, on FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Of course, uh, we got football this uh, weekend. Boy, if you like football, college football style, you've got plenty of games. Uh, it starts off Friday night uh, where action gets going uh, in the bowl games as uh, Miami takes on UAB. Uh, at, uh, uh, I want to say 1030, uh, that's Friday morning. Well, what a time to play a bowl game, uh, Jeff, uh, 1030 on Friday morning, uh, <laughs> on, uh, December the 16th as, uh, uh, the Bobcats take on the Blazers, uh, in, uh, the Bahamas Bowl. Of course, I'm sure that's, uh, two hours different from our time, maybe even three. Uh, it's a 1030 kickoff here, uh, locally. It's probably 1230. Uh, over in the Bahamas at Nassau. 
Um, in the meantime, uh, UAB is a 10.5-point pick. 44.5 is the over and under in that game. And that's going to kick off the bowls, uh, of which I'm trying to remember, is there 42, 43 bowl games this year uh, with regards to collegiate football? Elsewhere, uh, later on uh, that afternoon, uh, that's right, that afternoon, not that night, uh, University of Texas San Antonio takes on the Troy Trojans uh, in a big matchup over in the Cure Bowl. Cajuns played in that bowl game a few years ago uh, in Orlando, Florida. That will be on ESPN. Forgot to mention uh, what station that uh, uh, ESPN, yeah, ESPN well. also, uh, you're correct. Notice anything uh, interesting about that, though? Uh, in, in regards to the two games? Uh, the timing of the two games. Yeah, they're about, what, uh, four hours apart? Is that right? Uh, three and a half hour. Okay. Scheduled kickoff, but no primetime games. Primetime's wide open. That's right. But, but they're electing not to put either of those two games in primetime. I, I don't get it. Yeah, other I don't than either. ESPN has other programming uh, duties, whether it's e, uh, NBA or NHL uh, action. True. But uh, they would have rather put these bowl games on at stupid times. Now, the next Friday is almost like Christmas Eve. A lot of people yeah. have off. A day game next Friday, I'd get but uh, doing yeah. these, and again, it's it's not about uh, the players. It's not about the fans. It's about money. It's Absolutely. about uh, programming. And uh, again, it'd probably sell more commercials in prime time or get a better rate uh, at least for them. But also uh, it feeds uh, a need for folks uh, to, to stay busy at all these new sports books around. Boy, you got that right. I think America would be broke with all the sports books. Uh, you see that advert. Advertisement all the time. Anyway, of course, the Cajuns take off next Friday as they got to take on the University of Houston uh, in their bowl game uh, next Friday. And that's a 2 p.m. Uh, kickoff. But meanwhile, Miami, uh, University of Texas, San Antonio will get going at uh, 2 o'clock. Uh, of course, uh, you wonder if uh, there's an overtime or maybe the t- game drags a little bit. With due to commercials and all. Have you ever noticed how long those commercials last, too, today? Some of them go a good five minutes uh, in between quarters and uh, throughout the course of the game. Uh, I know at, uh, when I attend the games, you can see the guy on the sideline with the red uh, stick, how much time left uh, to go for the officials. Usually they blow the whistle with about 30 seconds uh, left so to get the teams back on the field and lined up. But, Wake uh, them back up. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, just, wow. Just uh, – uh, years ago, they could play a collegiate football game in two and a half hours. Now you're looking at three and a half, sometimes four hours with all the commercials through. Anyway, uh, Saturday morning, uh, it starts off early again, uh, collegiate football uh, this weekend uh, as the Cincinnati uh, team, uh, uh, the Bearcats, uh, will take on Louisville in the first of uh, six bowl games that day. They're at 10 o'clock. Uh, 1.30, Florida takes on Oregon State for you Cajun fans that want to see how Coach uh, Napier does with his team against, uh, I believe, uh, Oregon State is the Beavers. Uh, elsewhere, Washington State takes on Fresno State at 2.30. Rice uh, takes on Southern Miss at 4.45. That's the uh, next game on uh, Saturday. Then Southern Methodist takes on BYU. That's a 6.30 kickoff. And then North Texas State takes on Boise State and that's going to be uh, Saturday at 8.15. So uh, six games that day, two on Friday. If you like collegiate football, uh, it goes on elsewhere. Monday night, uh, the bowl games kick off again. I should say Monday afternoon as Marshall takes on Connecticut at a 1.30 kickoff. 
in that game. And then Tuesday, uh, they've got a couple games. Wednesday, one game. Then Thursday, you have a game. And then Friday, two more, of course, the Cajuns. And then Saturday, a game. Uh, of course, I think the NFL, usually the NFL, once the collegiate season's over, they'll play a few games on Saturdays. Not sure uh, what if there's anything. Yeah, there's a there's a game Saturday, uh, Jeff. Uh, the NFL's got, uh, yeah, they've got uh, – uh, one, two, three games Saturday, Indianapolis at Minnesota, Baltimore at Cleveland, and Miami at Buffalo. Well, I uh, thought the Saints-Cleveland was a Saturday game. It might be, but uh, they take on the Falcons this weekend in New Orleans. and uh, Maybe that's the next week. Yeah, it might be. Uh, the, yeah, it's, it is next week, a noon kickoff for the Saints uh, against at Cleveland up there. So uh, the NFL, you know, as I mentioned, when a lot of when the collegiate regular season's over, even though the bowl games uh, persist, uh, the Saints uh, will take on the Falcons. Falcons going to start a rookie quarterback in Desmond uh, Ritter, who uh, this, uh, making his first start as Mariota is uh, down with an injury. And, of course, that will be at the Caesars Superdome uh, on Fox. The Saints, believe it or not, are four-point pick in that game. <laughs> Scratching my noggin uh, with regards to that. Uh, Atlanta uh, has a little better record, not much. Uh, they're 5-8. and eight. The Saints are 4-9. and nine. Uh, as Bob Rose said Monday morning, mathematically, the Saints still have a shot at making the playoffs. Of course, they need a lot of help, and they need to win four games. Don't know if they can beat the Eagles uh, later on in the year. Not sure uh, if they'll the, beat the, the Falcons. The Bears are going to wear them down. The Bears. the Bears have them this week, the <laughs> Eagles this week. So they're going to they're going to wear them down and uh, give the Saints a chance. Yeah, uh, the, of course, uh, they play at Soldier Field on Fox, and that game is a noon kickoff also. Of course, the Bears come in as a nine-point dog. Uh, the over and under is 48-and-a-half. And is Justin Fields? Uh, yeah, he played last okay. week. Okay, I didn't know if uh, he, uh, if with his injuries, if he played last week or not. Of course, uh, the Eagles are averaging uh, the best, uh, averaging 30 points a game. Uh, that's the best in the NFL right now. So uh, they've got their uh, ha- hands full with the Bears. If the Bears can wear them down, uh, the Saints uh, take on the Falcons uh, in their heated rivalry. Saints beat them in the was it the first game of the year? I think the Saints beat them where uh, Jameis Winston's the Saints score what fourteen points in the last five minutes of the game to beat them. I think seventeen sixteen, and uh, I think the Falcons even had a chance to uh, win that game late. Uh, but it wasn't meant to be as the Saints uh, since then. It's pretty much uh, been downhill since there. They lost the next weekend, I think, to uh, Carolina. And I can't remember. So the Saints who. won 27 to 26 in week one. Yeah, it one. was a one-point one game. I thought that, yeah, the Saints had to score like two touchdowns in the last, uh, what, five minutes of the game to win the game. And uh, the following weekend, I think they got beat by uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, and, uh, and that was, what, 20 and to 10. Carolina. Uh, Yep, Carolina. Then they seemed like they won a game. Uh, and then they lost a close one against the Vikings. Then they that was in that was in England. Yeah, that's right. And then they unexpectedly beat Seattle, who was playing so good. That's right. They beat them in a high scoring game, thirty nine, thirty two. Was that the final? Something yeah. in that vicinity. And uh, in the meantime, uh, the Saints um, have lost uh, their last what four out of their last five, I do believe. Of course, they did uh, come back to beat the defending uh, Super Bowl champs, who just about everybody else is beating, too, as they took down the Rams. So uh, Saints have a lot of work to do. Uh, I'm just trying to see, and it uh, seemed like they've picked up. They, of course, they, we signed, uh, they signed David Johnson, who we talked about a little bit earlier, 
this week. Uh, the running back uh, previously played with uh, Arizona and also I had a short stint with uh, the Houston Ball Club. But uh, the Saints uh, right now um, uh, nicked up. Mark Ingram uh, out for the year, I think, with uh, torn uh, eight was in an ACL, I think he tore. Um, yeah, he's uh, done. Yeah, on the sideline, the Saints uh, – uh, cut a lineman, I think Andrews. They cut earlier during the week, so the looks f- like Kyler Murray is officially done for the season as well. Yeah, that's that's one that went out, and also believe it or not, I heard that uh, Cooper Cup was had a possibility of coming back. But this morning, I heard on the news, uh, this one of the sports programs that he is definitely out for the remainder of the year. They were hoping to maybe get him back, but uh, that's not going to be. Uh, um, so a lot of movement in the NFL right now. A lot of you fantasy players, I'm sure you're heading into your playoffs right now on those fantasy boards. So uh, a lot of injuries uh, in that regard. Uh, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, but yeah, it is a great article. Uh, it says that the Saints Falcons week lacks the intensity that the rivalry usually brings. So uh, with all the entries and both teams uh, not even playing 500 football. Uh, you wonder if, uh, how empty the dome may be, too. You know, I can remember years ago when the Saints would take on Atlanta when the Saints were averaging maybe 40,000, 50,000 fans at a game. Atlanta would bring uh, busloads of fans <laughs> to New Orleans, and likewise, uh, in, New, in New Orleans, there'd be busloads of uh, Saint fans going to that. Sometimes the Saint fans would outnumber the Falcon fans <laughs> in Atlanta. And I know I remember one year we used to drive up to Atlanta to spend Thanksgiving week with my sister and to uh, abide by my children's time. I had them count the Greyhound buses coming back from Atlanta as we were driving up. They counted, they stopped counting at over 300 Greyhound buses, if you can believe that. My goodness. That's how many Saint fans were at the game. If you figure a Greyhound bus held 50, 60 fans times 300, you do the math, you know. So there were a lot of Saint fans up there at the game. So uh, Yeah, I saw something in The Advocate. I didn't uh, read the story, but the headline pretty much said, this has got to be the most lackluster, uh, unenthused uh, Saints-Falcons week. Yeah. You know, often there's a lot of hype leading up to it. And, of course, week number one this year, uh, it doesn't take much to get fans no. excited about any week one matchup, uh, as was the case Saints-Falcons. But, uh, yeah, at this point, uh, although the Falcons, uh, they, they may bring some people there because they're still alive they to are some degree. They so. are. They have a little better record than the one better one game better than the Saints. They're five and eight. The Saints are uh, four and nine. Of course, as uh, Bob Rose told us Monday, <laughs> that's still mathematically not eliminated. And Tampa Bay still got some big games left as uh, they've got to play uh, a couple tough games uh, down the road. So uh, and they can't score either. So um, I don't know if the NF. Uh, NFC South Division, of course, uh, might be the worst division in uh, in the NFL currently right Certainly now. statistically. <laughs> yeah, the, you're right about that. Uh, so, anyway, um, uh, let's go ahead and take our next break. Uh, we are listening to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day, Wednesday, December the 14th, as we're waiting for the rain. 
in the meantime, so uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to answertopain.com. Landry has been traveling around District 49 talking to friends and neighbors about bringing prosperity and economic freedom to all our citizens. As we visited with thousands of people across our great district, many asked, how can we get involved in moving our district forward? Join us by going to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com where you can easily sign up and join our campaign. Go to jacoblandryforlouisiana.com and register now to join us. Pay for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music on Thursday at Southern Jack Friday. Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in the Berry. Domestic beer, $2. Imports, $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. Once again, the Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Hi, this is Boxcar Badgerow, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kang Row, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Dream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports on a big hump day here, Wednesday, December the 14th. And, uh, you know, next week at this time, um, high school football players will be able to uh, confirm their choices of uh, where they'd like to play their uh, next four, five, possibly six years. I'm not sure how that will work. But uh, anyway, the LSU Tigers, uh, I know a lot of Tiger fans are wondering how things are going for them right now where with commitments right now they have approximately 24 commitments. Uh, They've had a few players enter the uh, transfer portal. We'll talk about that uh, momentarily. But uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier this week, They've had a, a pretty good run of football players right now here in the state of Louisiana. Uh, as uh, uh, I mentioned, uh, Jeff, you had an opportunity to see one of them, and uh, Zalance Hurd, who's a big offensive tackle from Neville, who, who uh, if played. If I remember right, I said something to the effect that this guy was in two zip codes. Yeah, I mean, big, I mean huge guy. guy. 6'6", 310 pounds, highly rated offensive tackle uh, from Neville. Also, uh, some other uh, Louisiana kids, uh, Shelton Sampson, who's a big-time wideout from uh, Catholic High Baton Rouge. He's 6'4", 181. Uh, also, I'm trying to look for some of the uh, local kids that have committed to the Tigers. 
Uh, also, Caleb Jackson, who's a running back out of uh, Liberty Magnet. That's the old uh, Robert E. Lee uh, High School out there off of Acadian Thruway. He's a four-star uh, running back out of uh, Liberty Magnet High School out of Baton Rouge. Also, Kalen Jackson, who's a safety, uh, a four-star uh, player from Zachary, Louisiana. He's 6'2", about 200 pounds. And the uh, uh, next one from Louisiana is Tyree Adams, a big offensive tackle from uh, St. Augustine of New Orleans, another four-star player. And then we talked a little bit about this young man, Trey Holly of Union Parish in Farmerville, running back, the all-time leading Russia in the state of Louisiana. Of course, he had help as he played as an eighth grader up in uh, Farmerville. He's 5'8", 180 pounds. Not big a stature, but a uh, pretty tough runner. Elsewhere uh, with local players, Ricky Collins, who had originally committed, I think, to Purdue or Indiana, had um, go ahead had decommitted. And then uh, when Coach Kelly had come back in, committed to LSU, he's uh, been committed since uh, August. Uh, a, a quarterback, uh, a four-star quarterback out of Woodlawn, out of Baton Rouge, who's 6'2", 190. Also, uh, let's see if we have any other Louisiana players here before I move on. Kai Prien, uh, Jeff, who you also would have seen as Lorville, would have taken on St. James. Prien uh, was a six-foot, 190-pounder, a four-star player out of St. James, uh, the Wildcats, uh, as uh, Lorville was defeated by them earlier in the year. Elsewhere, any other Louisiana lads that have committed to LSU? Yes, uh, Dylan Carpenter, who's a big uh, edge rusher. He's 6'3", 240, out of Santa Mar. He had originally committed to the Cajuns and made a trip to Baton Rouge to watch a game, and uh, LSU asked for a recommitment from him, uh, decommitted from the Cajuns, committed to LSU the following day. Uh, from uh, Santa Mar High School, 6'3", 240, as I mentioned, an edge rusher. And that uh, one other player from Louisiana who's committed to LSU, Ashton Stamps, who is a cornerback out of Rummel High School, Archbishop Rummel, a 6-foot, 170-pounder in, in that regard. So uh, LSU uh, uh, trying to wrap up uh, recruiting here. I'm trying to uh, see. Uh, I know they've had some players into the transfer portal which I'll talk about uh, if I can pull that up right now. In, in the meantime, though, they picked up a three-star tight end, Jackson McGowan, committed yesterday to LSU. Apparently he decommitted from Cincinnati's from Ohio, Miamisburg, Ohio, 6'4", 235-pound uh, uh, tight end. Yeah, and LSU has had a few players enter the transfer portal. Of course, the reason a lot of these kids enter this portal, they want to play. Yeah. And they just they, – they, somebody's better than them in the eyes of the coaches, and uh, they're going to play. Of course, uh, the first of uh, many kids have entered the portal, Jordan Tolls. Uh, he's transferring from uh, LSU, it looks like, to Sam Houston State. Phillip Webb uh, hadn't had a destination yet. He entered the portal 9-6. Antoine Sampa entered the portal in uh, October, uh, October uh, December 5th. It, uh, of course, Jack Besh, who a lot of people were disappointed to see him enter the portal. I know he said he was one of the big, toughest decisions he ever had to make, but he's also entered the portal. Of course, he's from St. Thomas More in Lafayette. Demarius McGee also entered the portal on 12-6. And Radarius uh, Jones uh, entered the portal. He's going to transfer to Mississippi State. I'm sure uh, he might be a, a Mississippi native. Uh, Desmond Little, uh, an edge rusher, also entered the portal on uh, that, the date uh, of 12-8, along with Kobe Fields, a linebacker out of Rummel High School, 
who entered the portal also with Cole Taylor, a tight end, uh, who entered the portal also. Uh, so uh, the Cajuns, I mean, the uh, Tigers, uh, you know, they're going out looking for top recruits. I think you can only sign 25 each year. But but if you have six players entering the portal, you're able to take six players from the portal. So uh, we'll see how that – it looks like LSU's got about eight players who've uh, entered the portal. I'll say 11 now. Uh, it's did did you high? have Marcus Dumerville? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, he uh, – Offensive tackle uh, announced yesterday that he would enter the transfer portal. At the time, uh, he was a number 110 overall recruit in the 2020 class. He had an interesting quote. Thanks to everyone who's ever helped me during my time here, LSU has done good business with me. All right. That being said, I will be closing this chapter of my life. <laughs> LSU has done good business with me. I I have no idea what he means. Uh, that makes two of us. But uh, some of these lads, you know, like I said, they just want to play. Uh, they they have to make tough decisions. Uh, Jack Bash being the one that comes into mind in that regard. Uh, so we'll wonder how uh, that's all going to come. As uh, a lot of moving and shaking, uh, of course. And then again. You have the uh, NIL, which comes into play, <laughs> which uh, teams throw out money. Of course, they, they, I'm sure there's a lot of tampering going on, too, in that regard. But once a kid enters the portal, he is open to any collegiate football team out there, whether it be small college, big college, whatever. He's available. Coaches can contact him, write him, uh, go visit him uh, once you're in the portal. Uh, meanwhile, uh, with the Cajuns, they've got 14 commitments right now uh, with some Louisiana commitments. Elijah Davis from Riverside, a running back out there who I know is being hit on, uh, a fine running back out of uh, the Riverside area place for Riverside Academy. He's 5'9", 215 pounds. He is a Cajun commitment along with uh, Matthew Broussard, who I'm hearing a lot of good things about from Edie White. Uh, a 6'4", 280-pound offensive tackle out of E.D. White, who's committed early to the Cajuns. That was back in June of earlier this year. Also out of Louisiana, Woodlawn High School is Javon uh, Hayes, uh, Haynes, I should say, a 5'9", 175-pound running back. Uh, so two running backs there. They might be done recruiting running backs for the Cajuns. Elsewhere, also out of New Orleans, out of John Curtis, uh, Justin Horn, who's a hurdler for uh, – John Curtis, uh, I think a uh, state champion hurdler. He's 6'1", 200 pounds. He's a linebacker and also a hurdler. I'm impressed. Elsewhere, Jeremiah Moses uh, from Bell Chase, uh, who uh, played uh, the Westgate Tigers earlier this year. He's a cornerback out of uh, Bell Chase, the Cardinals, six foot 175. Elsewhere, Lance Williams, uh, a defensive lineman out of Holy Cross at 6'3", 260 pounds. And also out of Acadiana, uh, Jalen Lawrence, a uh, 6'1", 205-pound uh, linebacker uh, from Acadiana. Also another Cody Jackson out of Angel Christian up in Shreveport, a 6'2", 180-pound safety. And uh, that's it with their uh, their uh, commitments from Louisiana right now, but also uh, trying to see if, uh, of course, last year their, their team was cherry-picked with regards to a lot of their fine players. They've got two players that have entered into the uh, transfer portal for the Cajuns. Uh, one kind of surprised me, Dante Fleming, uh, the fine wide receiver for the Cajuns, looking for a home now. He uh, is uh, a 6'2", a 390-pound, 200-pound wide receiver. And also Damian Youngblood, a safety, 
uh, not sure where he's from, but uh, also has entered into the uh, transfer portal for the Raging Cajuns. So, and I think the Cajuns, I want to say just recently, it might have been uh, yesterday I saw where they got a commitment from a um, another player. I'm not sure. Uh, it might have been a Mississippi player they picked up a commitment from. I don't see him on the commitment list, uh, but I want to say it was just as recently as yesterday they picked up a commitment from a fine player out of Mississippi. It seemed like a, a defensive tackle that was like six four five, about 250 pounds, so um not sure um, uh, his name escapes me right now, but I did see it in that regard. But uh, collegiate recruiting going on right now and people entering the transfer portal or I even saw where a big-time wide receiver from Alabama, originally from New Orleans, who was committed to LSU uh, earlier last year and uh, decommitted and signed with Alabama, Andre Anderson, who was one of the top wide receivers in the country. Another one looking for a place to play. So uh, I'm sure Coach Kelly will be calling on him to see uh, if they still have interest in him. So it, um, collegiate recruiting next uh, Wednesday at this time. They'll be signing letters of intent or grant aids to attend their uh, school of their choice, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen then, Jeff, uh, in that regard. So, anyway, collegiate football recruiting, um, uh, it's a changing world with the uh, NIL and also the transfer portal. And, and I've, I've got a quarterback up in West Virginia. I think he's going to his fourth team in somewhere this year. So, uh, anyway, these kids want to play. They're going to try to find the best spot for them and get on the field. Anyway, uh, just about that time, Jeff, to uh, move on to our next uh, break. Uh, don't know if you have any uh, stories. Uh, well, we haven't on. talked about Trev Falk uh, leaving LCA. Oh, that's true. And uh, interesting timing of it. Um, I don't know if you heard, Catholic of Baton Rouge's coach uh, went to Central. And there's an opening there, and uh, I, I don't know if he is. Uh, the, the timing, though, is interesting. It is. It is. Uh, so, again, yeah. we'll, we'll wait to see that. But Trev Falk had a great career at Lafayette Christian. Uh, you know, Started talked, off at VC, too. Yeah. We, we've talked to Coach Ryan Antoine about him, and he has so much respect for him. I'm sure he'd be uh, not disappointed if he left the uh, area <laughs> as uh, a head coach. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what Trev Falk's ne- next move is. Yeah, played in the NFL for a little while. Uh, played at LSU, was a freshman All-American. Uh, did a pretty good job there for the Tigers and uh, moved on. Played a few times in the NFL. Started his career off at VC. I, I think it was at VC. And then went to Northside for a few years. And then headed to LCA, where he uh, played in the state championship game, I think, what, four out of the five years, five out of the six years. Of course, uh, had a tremendous uh, defeat against St. Thomas More uh, as they come back to score a couple of touchdowns late in the game to beat uh, LCA by a score of 52-48. to 48. So, and I, uh, I know that loss has no impact. No, on I don't this. think so either. Um, apparently, uh, the, the reverend over there, Jay Miller at LCA, said for a few years Coach Falk has been – preparing to explore opportunities that he feels the need to pursue now. Yeah, and, again, I'm, uh, it'll be interesting if he uh, shows up at Catholic Baton Rouge. Yeah, that would be interesting. Right down I-10, so uh, it's not that far of a drive if he wants to remain in Lafayette as a coach. I know a couple of coaches that would drive from uh, the LaRose area, uh, Matthews, to uh, Fontainebleau across the lake each day. Uh, so um, today, uh, who knows with coaches? I, I know Coach Indes drove to Kaplan each day. Then never did live in Kaplan when he coached there. I think he did live in Crawley. 
when he coached in Crawley and lived in New Iberia when he coached in Karen Crow. So, uh, you know, coaches uh, will make moves in that regard. So uh, we'll see what happens with Trev Falk, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of information on him in the coming uh, days and see where he might land. Elsewhere, uh, let's go ahead and take our next break. Uh, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. I am Jacob Lander, and I'm tired of seeing Louisiana fumble away good-paying jobs to our neighbors across the Sun Belt. That's why I'm running for state representative of District 49, because bringing opportunity back to Louisiana is a touchdown for all of us. As your next state representative, I will work hard to expand vocational training programs so that all of our people can have the tools to succeed. I am Jacob Landry, and I am a proven job creator. All I need is your support and your vote. Paid for by the Jacob Landry for Louisiana campaign. Are you an enthusiastic sports fan? Want to have fun and get in on the action? Heck yes, that'd be awesome. Have great attention to detail? Want to stay active? Definitely. Want to give back to the student-athletes in your community? Obviously, yes! Then you'd make an excellent high school sports official. We need more officials in Louisiana. Because with no high school officials, there are no high school sports. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big hump day, Wednesday, December the 14th. And uh, just to catch up a little bit with Major League Baseball right now is uh, Carlos Correa, the fine shortstop who uh, helped the Astros to their first World Series title back in, uh, what, 17? Uh, he ended up finding a home as he bounced around the last couple of years uh, with the, between the, the Astros and going to the Twins. Well, looks like the San Francisco Giants have uh, found them a shortstop. Uh, 
only a 13-year, $350 million contract, which is a record-long deal uh, that's the richest ever for the position. It gives the team a franchise-type player around which he plans to build. Sources familiar with the situation. And the free agent of Korea, who's 28. God, he's going to be 41 years old. He'll be playing shortstop for the uh, Giants. Yeah, anyway, I uh, doubt he will see the entirety of that contract, but still may get paid. You know, oh, yeah, If he's cut. He gets paid. If he Duh. retires, that might be a little bit of a different story. But, you know, uh, the Twins had offered him a 10-year, $285 million deal, but uh, went with a 13-year, $350 million um, deal. Yeah. Just uh, pick a door. You know, the price is right. Uh, anyway, well, let's make a deal. Anyway, the Twins, that included an opt-out in the first season. Anyway, the offseason, Korea found a market that was lavish in the 300 million so Trey Turner you know in 280 million uh, Alexander Bogarts uh, four more to his liking uh, found the uh, second biggest deal behind Aaron Judge's nine-year 360 million dollar deal which he uh, committed to of course uh, the 13 years ties uh, Bryce Harper's 330 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies uh, back in March of 2019 and like Harper Korea received a full no trade clause and a contract without any opt-out uh, uh, sources said the 350 million exceeds the 341 for a million for a shortstop for, uh, Francisco Lindor who received from the Mets and the 340 million for shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. with the San Diego Padres and in the history of baseball only Mike Trout's Four hundred and twenty-six million point five uh, deal with the uh, Los Angeles Angels. Mookie Betts had a three hundred sixty-five million dollar contract with the Dodgers, and uh, judges exceeded it in value. So, uh, after turning down a um, a year ago, after turning down his five-year deal with one hundred sixty million with the Astros, uh, whom Correa blossomed to a star, he landed more than twice that on the heels of a single season with the Twins and with whom he made $35.1 million before opting out his final two years of his deal. One season with Minnesota, he looked uh, uh, his vintage self. Of course, he hit two ninety one with 22 homers, 64 RBIs, and 136 games. While he didn't match his platinum glove-winning uh, 2021 campaign, Correa is regarded as one of the game's best defensive shortstops, posting his fourth season with a 5-0 plus wins above replacement, according to baseball reference. So uh, in the meantime, Jeff, uh, looks like the Giants have found them a shortstop. And uh, the shortstop they had wasn't a bad play. You know, the Giants earlier in the 2010, 2012, 2014 won the World Series uh, uh, three out of five years. But the Giants have been uh, missing that in the last few years. Of course, uh, Giants won those three World Series before that when Barry Bonds dazzled crowds nightly you know with his home run chase back in uh was it 02 or 01 that he hit uh, 73 home runs to break mark mcguire's mark uh in that regard so in the meantime Carlos Correa, uh any other baseball signings and, and the giants um you know they, they see what the padres are doing they see what the dodgers are doing and they've had you know they've been the odd man out in that uh situation last couple of years so uh yeah it's a tough division and they're ready to compete or at least spend money in an attempt to compete. You're right about that. And, uh, of course, it all started. Albert Pujols uh, made that move in 2012 when he signed uh, for, what, $240 million for 10 years with the Angels back then and uh, never uh, never lived up to that type of uh, hype and all. But uh, 
He did uh, come back in his final year in St. Louis. I think they signed him for $2 million with some incentives uh, and uh, broke the 700 homer barrier and kind of gave some spark to the Cardinals in the back half of the season. But they ended up getting swept by the Phillies in the uh, division uh, series, uh, two games to none. So uh, And then the Phillies went on to play for a World Series where they were beaten. Uh, in that uh, regard. Uh, one last item before we get to uh, today in sports history. Uh, uh, a, baseball, a baseball player, one of the the last of the Wiz kids, and uh, for people who are not familiar with the Wiz kids, uh, they were the Philadelphia Phillies team of 1950 that ended up winning the pennant and playing for a World Series. Of course, the Phillies didn't win a World Series till 1980, won another one in 2008, I do believe, when they beat the Yankees. But Kirk Simmons, was one of the rookies on that team. Uh, he was 21 years old, along with Richie Ashburn, Del Unser, and those type guys. They uh, And Robin Roberts was a youngster on that team back then. Uh, well, Simmons passed away uh, recently yesterday at his home, and he was one of the greats in the Philly era uh, until he was uh, traded to the Cardinals back in 1959 or 60 and ended up winning a World Series with the cards back in 64, and he was 93 years of age. Uh, Simmons missed part of the 1950 season, including the World Series, because he was serving in the National Guard during the Korean War. He also missed the entire 51 year because of his uh, military commitment. But the 1950 Wiz kids were swept by the Yankees in the World Series. Uh, Simmons was one of those guys on the team, and uh, he just—he was just a—he was a lefty that uh, a lot of shake and bake. If you ever see any uh, YouTube video, Kirk Simmons, uh, he, I guess if he threw 85, 88, but he had a wind up from the side. He came from the side, the lefty, uh, and as I mentioned, the last of the Wiz kids to play uh, 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 to to pass on. But uh, he was a phenomenal pitcher uh, back in that day. Started two uh, All Star games, I think, in '52 and '57. Started two games. Uh, had uh, uh, throughout his career, 18 shutouts. Uh, the lefty uh, had an overall a record, I think, during his time uh, of uh, one. Uh, he didn't hit the 200-win plateau, but uh, 193 and 183 in 100, 163 complete games. <laughs> You'll never see that. 36 shutouts is what he had. So pretty career-high shutout uh, in that regard. So Kirk Simmons, the last of the Wiz kids who passed on today. Elsewhere today in sports history, uh, December the 14th, uh, got a pretty big day here. 1920, Jack Dempsey knocked out uh, Bill Brennan in the 12th for the heavyweight boxing title in New York City. Also in this date, 1930, the National Football League Championship, the Packers, uh, 10-3, and three beat uh, had the best record in the postseason title. They went on to uh, uh, defeat, the, I believe, the Giants for the uh, – Uh, NFL championship 1938 on this date baseball agrees to use a standard ball disagrees on increasing the roster from 23 to 25 players although commissioner Mount Kennesaw Mountain Landis uh, eventually said hey we're going to 25 ball players so that was in 38 when the 25 ball player now I think it's 26 of course uh, early in the year and late in the year you can bring up uh, people that are on your 40-man roster. It's uh, changed a little bit. I don't think they went to the 40-man this year. They didn't? No. I, I, but I know they allowed 26 now because they keep 13 pitchers on the team uh, in that regard. Uh, most most players, and back in the day, they only kept 10 pitchers, and you had two catchers, uh, uh, two or three outfielders, uh, and a couple of infielders, but I'm pretty sure it's 26 today with the number of players allowed uh, on the team. In uh, that regard, um, 
and uh, there's a 40-man roster you have to keep signed, and uh, rule of five, uh, go ahead. From September 1st through the end of the regular season, all clubs can carry 28 players with a limit of 14 pitchers, but it is a 26-man roster, uh, uh, but all players on the 26-man roster must also be on the 40-man roster. That's right, that's so. right. And I, I'm not sure, maybe you do, how the rule of five draft comes about, too. Somebody, I guess you don't protect a player, on the 40-man roster, and they can take him just like uh, today with uh, the NFL. They can take a player off your practice squad at any time they wish. So, uh, anyway. In the season, this past season, and I'm not sure it's going to be the same, but again, because of COVID, they started with 28 players. Uh, then they reduced it to 26 on May 2nd. And I think that was in part because of COVID. Uh, okay. Just, uh, yeah. yeah, it kind of protects you in that regard where you don't have to move players back and forth from the minor leagues. Uh, okay, elsewhere in 1941 on this date, the first NFL division playoff as the Bears beat the Packers 33-14. to Also in this date in 47, the Cleveland Browns beat the New York Yankees, not the baseball team, folks. They, this is in the OAAFC, the All-American uh, Football Conference uh, course a few of those teams moved to the nfl when it dissolved i think in 49 or 50 along with the browns the colts and i think there was one or two other teams uh in that in 1950 uh, baseball owners choose uh lou perneri uh, the braves phil wrigley of the cubs and del webb of the yankees and ellis ryan of the indians to select a new baseball commissioner happy chandler i don't know if he passed away or just wanted to step down of course uh ford frick i think was the uh commissioner that brought in into the uh, early 60s. In 1953, on this date, boy, the Brooklyn Dodgers signed a pretty good left-hander. Sandy Koufax signs with the Brooklyn Dodgers on this date. Elsewhere in 1958, Pat Summerall kicks the game-winning field goal for the Giants against the Browns at Yankee Stadium. Of course, that also was the year of the famous uh, uh, Colts-Giants game that ended in sudden death with uh, Allen, the horse, Amici scores the winning touchdowns to a so-called put football, pro football, on the map. And in this date, 1977, the Boston Red Sox trade Fergie Jenkins to the Rangers for John Poloni and Cash. Of course, Fergie Jenkins, uh, a longtime uh, Cub at heart. Elsewhere in 1980, the Vikings passed for 456 yards against the Browns, winning 28-24. Also on this date in 1980, the Saints in their 14-game losing streak as they beat the lowly New York Jets up in New York at Shea Stadium, 21-20. I remember that game well as the Saints in that They weren't in the Meadowlands by 80? Uh, I don't know think so. I think they were still in Shea. I think they were still in Shea by 80. No, I don't know if the Giants were ever in Shea. The Jets were yes. in Shea. Yes. And they they went to the Meadowlands uh, after the Giants. And I remember the, the, the during the course of the game, the hot dog wrappers and paper flying through the game, they had a little winded that game. Uh, I think Spencer Todd was a quarterback for the Jets, and the Saints ended up picking him up. Elsewhere on this date in uh, 1988, CBS bids $1.1 billion to win the exclusive rights to Major League Baseball for five years from 90 to 94. 1991, the 57th Heisman Trophy was awarded. Of course, we can all see Desmond Howard with that uh, football Heisman pose in the end zone, the wide receiver from Michigan. Elsewhere in 92, uh, on this date, Lennox Lewis, given the WBC title, when Riddick Bowe wouldn't refuse to fight him. So uh, they said, hey, here, Lennox, here's the title. 1998 and 2009 on this date, Ricky Williams and Mark Ingram, both Saints running backs, awarded their Heismans 
uh, trophy. And also the 85th Heisman went out on this day is Joe Burrow from LSU quarterback. Had the highest percentage of first-place votes ever with 90.7%. Elsewhere on this date uh, in 2021, Steph Curry makes his 2,974 three-point shot passing Ray Allen of the Celtics as the greatest uh, three-point shooter in uh, Warriors. Uh, 105-96 went over the Knicks and uh, Madison Square Garden. Birthdays today. Born on this date, 1939, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, and I think one of the best college running backs ever to come out of Syracuse, Ernie Davis, the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy. Of course, Ernie never did play in the NFL. He was selected number one by the uh, Cleveland Browns. They retired his number 45 in a pregame ceremony, and Ernie Davis died uh, pretty much a year later from leukemia. Elsewhere on this date, uh, birthdays, 1965, Craig Biggio, the Astro Hall of Famer, catcher, shortstop, second baseman, outfielder, a Silver Slugger Award, born in Smithtown, New York, Craig Biggio. I think his son is playing at uh, Notre Dame on a baseball scholarship. Elsewhere, deaths on this day, uh, in 1985, Roger Maris passed away on this day, the right fielder, seven-time All-Star, 61 Homer King in 61. Of course, we heard his name mentioned this year as uh, Aaron Judge, Broke his Yankee record and the American League record for home runs in a season. Dies of cancer. Roger Maris was only 51 years old. Also on this date, and I saved it, folks, uh, for this. Uh, uh, dying on this date, uh, one of the great All-American football players, one of the earliest ones, but uh, he was uh, infected. Uh, one of the greatest speeches uh, ever given by Newt Rockney. George Gipp died on this date in 1920 through strep throat and infection and pneumonia at uh, 25 years old. And uh, his famous line, uh, sometimes say it was a myth, that Rockney was great at uh, these halftime speeches. And it said, if I got to go, Rock, it's all right. I'm not afraid. Sometime, Rock, when the team is up against it, when things are wrong and the brakes are beating the boys, ask them to go out there with all they've got and win one, just one for the Gipper. Of course, that was used in the 1928 Army-Notre Dame game as Rockney went in the halftime when the Irish were down, I think, 7 nothing, and come back to score a couple of touchdowns late in the second half to beat the uh, number one-ranked Army team, 13-7. to Of course, that quote uh, lives in infamy as a uh, win-one for the Gipper. And that's today in sports history, Jeff, uh, 2022 on the 14th of December. Giants Stadium opened in 1976. It was known as Giants Stadium originally because okay. only the Giants were playing there. <laughs> and uh, eventually it uh, became known as the Meadowlands when the Jets joined them. Uh, their first season there was 84. That late? Okay. Yeah. And uh, they tried to uh, negotiate uh, another lease with Shea or maybe another arena in, in Queens. It uh, just didn't work out, so they acquiesced to the Meadowlands, it wasn't uh, originally going to be a long-term thing, but it turned out to be. They eventually decided to make it their long-term home. And, of course, uh, they built the new stadium. Uh, how long has it been now? Yeah, it's uh, been a few years. Yeah. You no, know, they talked about doming that stadium before they built it uh, because of the weather instances up in New York. But uh, both teams share that stadium, don't they, uh, yeah. over the course of the uh, last few years? It, it's been built uh of course it's well, in. i mean since the new meadowlands have been there they've been both teams have been in there but again the jets have been at uh the meadowlands since 84 and uh with that uh of course uh, it's in new jersey <laughs> and it's still the new york giants it's just the new- across the river though i mean it's it's right there 
Well, technically, it's in New Jersey, though. Oh, it is. But anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, they play their but, games. But they're there. not named after the state; they're named after the city. True. And it's you know not unusual for a team to play in the suburbs, but still call themselves the Chicago Bears. Yeah, not true. This uh, is true. The Bears are thinking about moving to Arlington Heights. Yeah, and uh, look at the uh, the Cowboys aren't playing yeah, in Dallas. They're in Arlington and, and the Giants. I mean, the Forty ers in Santa Clara. And so uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, there's there are a lot of differences there. Anyway, today in sports history, Jeff. And congratulations, Alex Ovechkin uh, scored a hat trick last night and his 800th goal of his career. The first uh, player to do it all with one team. He and Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky, the only ones with 800 or more. Uh, he did it against the Blackhawks. And normally I, I don't stick around for a Blackhawk game. That's a blowout um, when it starts at 8 o'clock. Uh, but I did last night. And it was a fun game to watch just because of Alex Ovechkin, so uh, kudos to him. That is going to do it for us, unless you got anything else. Nope, that's about it. Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow at the uh, same time, a little after 7 o'clock, after the obituaries by David's Funeral Home. So uh, uh, we'll see how that's going to come into play and see what news and history we'll have for tomorrow. There you go. Once again, I want to thank our sponsors, Jacob Landry, candidate for State Representative District 49, L.A. Classic Roofing, the Quarter Tavern, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, Schwing Insurance, and the Hedekin Pain Center. Appreciate their support of Bayou Sports. Reminder, tornado watch in effect until 1, uh, flash flood watch in effect until this evening. But, uh, again, I continue to look at the radar and be uh, fairly optimistic that uh, we're going to get the uh, lesser of any uh, rain activity, the way the system's moving. But anyway, stay uh, weather aware, as they say. 22 minutes after news is up next, brought to us by David Funeral Homes, then Lee Kane, the Breakfast Club. You're listening to KANE, 1240 AM, and K298CQ, 107.5 FM, New Iberia. The voice of the Tash.